Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew. This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 39, everyone, operating on August 25th, 2020. This is Drew, and I'm here with Doug. We're two av geeks and aviation professionals, creating a safe space for other av geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Good day, everyone. We hope this episode finds you safe, healthy, and in good spirits. We're one week closer to this crisis being over, and we're staying positive and aviation tough. Why is it that we always look at the sheet of paper when we're saying those? You would think I don't know. By now, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, and it, the, the good day, we, we got a message from an yeah. Australian listener this week <laughs> saying that he loves how we, we put the good day in there. But you, you say that as a pilot, right? Uh, yeah. You should, yeah. When we're talking to air traffic control and they switch us to a different frequency, a lot of times we'll say, all right, contact whoever on this frequency, good day. Mm-hmm. Or, or when we check in, we'll say good day. Yeah. No, I like it because it's fast and it's, yeah. it's um, nice. It, sound, it sounds very um, cordial. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it sounds cordial. Yeah. Doug, how are we doing with the fires in California? Yeah, so last week we talked about how my daughter and I were camping outside and we had that freak lightning storm that came through. And little did I realize that it started hundreds of fires around the state. And the one that's right by us now has grown into the second largest in state history. We're not under evacuation orders. We have a go bag packed in the car. The, the car is packed with all of our essentials. We're about 10 to 15 miles from the fire line right now, and it would have to move through a city before it would even get to us. So we feel like we're pretty safe here, but the smoke has been really bad. A lot of the flights uh, have been canceled in the last couple of days because of it and because yeah. of crew availability and all that. So it's, it's pretty pretty crazy. But I found out, and I, I don't know if I told you this, Drew, that storm, it, it started with a gust of wind, and that's kind of what woke us up when we were in the tent, and then the lightning yeah. came. It was the remnants of a hurricane off the coast of Baja, California, in Mexico really? that had made it up the coast. And just the way that the winds had been coming down from Alaska, normally yeah. they're a little bit farther off the coast, and it just happened to push the rain that was coming up inland which ha- hasn't happened in 20 years or, or something like that from what I was yeah, reading. For, for those of you that are listening, so um, Doug li- lives closer to Sacramento. So mm-hmm. yeah. between San Francisco and Sacramento, you're close to Sacramento. I used to live in Fairfield, which is further down the road, and then later in Pleasant Hill. My mom is in Walnut Creek, even further south from you than that. They've been told not to really go outside and she can she can smell the smoke. And yeah. this is hundreds of miles away. Yeah. The sad part is I, I hope it doesn't affect wine country because it's right on that valley. Yeah. With Healdsburg and well, all that I, more. I, I'm a big Petey fan when it comes to whiskey and, and scotch. Actually, I guess it would be more scotch. I, I like that smoky taste. And <laughs> I, I I've taken some <laughs> some wine tasting classes throughout mm-hmm. throughout my time. And I actually like the the ones that have a little bit of a smoky taste to it. So hopefully it doesn't ruin the grapes. But personally, I to me it, it's fascinating, and, and we're getting way off on a tangent here. But no, it's, it's, it's fascinating that, that it's it's not like getting a Bud Light, where twenty years ago the Bud Light tastes the same as it will twenty years from now. So different. You can get the same varietal from the same winery year in year out, and it'll have a different taste palette to it just based on the atmospheric conditions based on what was going on so you're telling me day. my behringer white zinfandel that i get for 7.99 <laughs> a bottle yeah. from 2020 i'm gonna be swirling it around it's like I, 
yeah sense of ash in yeah this. yeah you'll you'll it. you'll it, it, it'll be like peat in scotch <laughs> it, it'll have a smoky taste yeah you guys behringer white zinfandel is what we bought when we were in college because we were so poor and that was the wine that was like seven dollars <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's that's where you get an economy <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, about some aviation. Well, stuff. No, no, no. So we we haven't what? talked about, we haven't talked about you yet. You you had kind of oh, a fun yes. week, right? You you met up oh, with Joey, who had been on the show, and and one of our listeners. Yeah, Joey, and his Twitter handle is Girardi Aviation. G E R A R D I Aviation. He visited. So he was on a previous episode, Transcon Turboprop. So go back mm-hmm. and listen to that for uh, Joey. He flew Transcon all on turboprops. Really interesting story. But anyway, he was connecting through Dulles. We hung out. We took some pictures. The guy was able to find this awesome spotting place just in the terminal. It's part of the terminal where I don't go. It's where Delta is. It's at the end. Of the <laughs> that's no, I'm not trying to be funny. That's because I mean, you're not a One World. Or, uh, sorry, a, a, a Sky Team Sky pod- Team. Podcast. I don't yeah, we're not a Sky team. on them. Yeah, yeah I could. You go all the way to the end and there's some glass and the planes happen to be landing on that runway, which was one center. So go and look at his pictures because he took this awesome picture of um, an Etihad 787-9. I saw that, yeah. Right with the smoke. I sent you that, right? You did, yeah. Well, I and I, I, I really think that terminal photos of airplanes landing are underrated. And I know that when, when yeah. Jeremy was on the show several weeks ago he talked about dime a dozen airplanes at the gate i've found some amazing spots you took me to that one spot mm-hmm. in san francisco i found a spot at newark other airports from the terminal right. itself you can get amazing vantage points of really close to the runway closer than you would get from any sort of an exterior spotting location yeah so anyway, it was nice uh, meeting joey but the other th- work was busy because one of my coworkers is on two weeks of vacation um, so I'm working for him. So that's additional day a week. But anyway, the other thing that happened today, Doug, Robbie, my partner, who's a school teacher went actually left the house and went to a school and is working from the school. Even though the kids are at home, mm-hmm. the school is open. So teachers can come in and they can do their class from there. Oh, that's awesome. Online. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. That way he can use his space and, and, um, not have to do it from an office or the kitchen or, or something like that. Right. And have me watching TV. While <laughs> yeah. <class>. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's all that's going on. So what else as far as, uh, so we, uh, we called it again, right? Didn't we? we Unfortunately, like always two weeks. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm talking about the, um, Oh, you're talking about the, the Jivo. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were talking yeah. about the other thing. Oh no! Let's talk about the other thing first. Yeah, you want to talk about that or is yeah? It too I'll, no, no, I'll, I'll talk about it. We we mentioned last week that American was looking to cut service to twenty to twenty five small cities, and I mentioned how I was afraid that my hometown of Dubuque, Iowa, would be one of the cuts. And I, I woke up. I, so, guys, I and girls, I wake up every morning. The literally the first thing that I do is I check aviation news. I don't remember what day it was, but I I saw an article that said. American announces 15 cities that they cut and my heart just dropped into my stomach and I just felt sick to my stomach. Yeah. I said, please don't let Dubuque, please don't let Dubuque. And so I'm, you're scrolling. I'm scrolling and unfortunately Dubuque was on the list. American is the only airline that still serves Dubuque and they're in a gorgeous new 
terminal that just opened a couple of years ago. So there's no airlines now. No okay. airline. No. Oh, so the, the service stops October, I think it's October 7th. And right now it's only for the October schedule, which runs through early November. And it looks like they're going to go month to month waiting to see what demand looks like, waiting mm-hmm. to see if, if another cares, a round of cares funding comes through. I, unfortunately, I, I just feel like, even if the economy, when the economy starts to pick up, I wouldn't be surprised if if it would take a long time for anyone to even return, just because the vicinity of other airports, yeah. all, all the other airports have lots of other carriers, lots of options. Unfortunately, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this could be it, could be the well, end. We were talking about Joey. He sent me that list first. And speaking of Joey, he works for a small airline in Denver that flies these small to these small cities mm-hmm. with just pilots, no flight attendants. Yeah, and they um, have really small turboprop jets. This is an opportunity for them, so they can look at all of these cities. Yeah, and exactly. If there's a they can if there's a market. Yeah, you know, for ten seats here and there. Yeah, yeah, that 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 very well could happen. The the one thing that I am hanging my hat on, though, is I spoke with the airfield manager last year sometime when I was home, and, and he was telling me that they were trying to get United Service to Denver, that there was a market for it. And they were uh-huh. talking with business leaders in the community. They were talking with United. Yeah. So there, there definitely is a case for business travel and, and leisure travel. So with, with a, a brand new gorgeous terminal, with, with business growth, hopefully post-COVID, fingers yeah. crossed that they'll start service there yeah get american back or or get delta united someone else we'll see okay so doug so you're close to a united hub at sac or smuff whatever you want to call it nothing there's no right answer but now you're from dubuque Mm -hmm. and if united is the only carrier you'll have to trade in your gold medallion (laughs) gold plated whatever they give you you know or whatever i don't even i i i do feel really bad because i have not flown into Dubuque for 10 years. The last time I, the last time I did it, it partially it is because when we fly, when we fly home, I fly into other airports around because Delta doesn't serve it. it, Yes. In a way it's my fault, but in a way, if they had other carriers, I I feel like that would be a catalyst when, when you just have a single carrier, then people who are, loyal to a certain airline will not use that airport if if the airline doesn't fly there but if it does i i think the amount of traffic will substantially increase and and that just goes to show that single carrier airports are so heavily reliant on people wanting to fly that single airline right and with the economy going down everywhere not just with the airlines there's not going to be an appetite for that eas service or to subsidize these airports unfortunately Mm -hmm. we'll see yeah but yeah, right. things change. So yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to happier things. Uh, so we mentioned Jivo last week. What do you have on that? Right. We mentioned Jivo, which is a sustainable aviation fuel company, which just signed a deal with Delta to buy fuel. So I, I didn't. We watched stocks, can you, but we didn't really look at that one. No, so we didn't. Jivo must, and we don't. Next trip does not own Jivo, so this is not any promotion. But their stock was like in the 40 cents or 50 cents. So then I look at it. I don't can't remember why I was looking at it, but it was up like 300%. And this was two days after we spoke about it. After we it. talked about it. Yeah. We, yeah, that's we, not a coincidence. We predict things on this podcast. <laughs> now, the 737-8, did we predict 
that they would take the max off? Did we talk about that? We, I think we did. Yeah, like 15 episodes or so. I, I would have to go back and listen. But there was a, a small private airline in, what was it, Ukraine, I want to say. or Inter Air? Somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere over in Eastern Europe that purchased four or three or four. It was, it was such a tiny purchase of yeah. 737s. And what struck us as interesting on this is the press release from Boeing didn't say that Enter purchased the 737 MAX. They said they purchased the 737-8. There is no 737-8. Well, t- technically yeah. there is. It's, it's the MAX-8. Conspiracy <laughs> theorists now are, are thinking that Boeing is quietly changing the name away from the MAX to oh, yeah, 737-8. Yeah. yeah, why would you not say it? Yeah. Yeah, so whatever. Yeah, they're going to fix the problems with this plane, and I think it's going to be a great addition to the nationwide fleet or the worldwide fleet until yeah. we have something No, I, I agree. Yeah. Well, Drew, it's been a relatively quiet news week, and I'm not talking quiet compared to the pre-COVID times, but quiet relative to the last several months. That said, as we inch closer to October 1st, which is the looming date when the U.S. government assistance to airlines runs out, we do need to prepare for what's going to be most likely an avalanche of news briefs in the coming weeks mm-hmm. and months. So for now, let's enjoy a less intense lineup. So what, what's in the news this week, Drew? Yeah, we, we have some good stories. A Delta flight attendant retired after 59 years, penned a love letter to the CEO and her colleagues on her final day. And that, that's from Delta News, right? It is, yeah. Yep. Reuters reports that according to ticket data, Europe's travel recovery stalled in August. Forbes reports that Southwest turned down a U.S. Treasury Department loan as an attempt to keep its costs lower than competitors. So let's talk about those three news stories, Doug. What do you think? Yeah, so the first one, as we said, was released by Delta. The flight attendant's name is Roberta Alpert, and she retired after 59 years with Delta. She started in March 1961 as a flight attendant with Northeast Airlines, which that's not to be mistaken with Northwest. Both of those airlines did merge with Delta. Northeast merged in 1972. So technically, she's been with Delta since 1972. She's logged enough miles in her career to fly to the moon and back 50 times. And that's according to the Delta press release. I don't know if you read it, Drew, the the letter, the letter that she sent. One thing, one thing that really stuck out to me is she had a paragraph that was mainly to Delta's leadership. And I know we've talked about people's love for their, their companies and Mm -hmm. just how much they enjoy working. And she said, during these wickedly difficult days, I've been worrying with you and about you, dear Delta, but I know your great leaders well. They're among the most brilliant, compassionate, and generous officers in your industry. They're working feverishly to save you. They will guide you to safety, and they've guided me and all those who will come after me. I, I thought that was very poignant. Yeah, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of us that work for the airlines are very critical about the airlines, even though we love it. So it's nice to see a positive story where she had a long career, and she even said, Delta, you paid for my mortgages, you paid for my cars, you, you mm-hmm. know, blah, 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 all the things and things that we take for granted. But I will tell you, Doug, and it, people who work for the airlines, there is an affinity with the company mm-hmm. because it's the airline represents so much. It's not just a paycheck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you work for an airline, you identify with that airline. You, you, you it's, it is, it is really a family. Mm-hmm. So when I, started working for the airline that I do and then my par- I got my partner into it so he's kind of airline family too when it clicked it was like a year into it mm-hmm. like we were at the airport 
Robbie was looking at the departure monitors and he's like, oh, I didn't know we flew there. And I had to stop. He said we. Yes. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> so my goal is to have you say that, right? Because you're a buddy pass. So at that point, it's like, oh, you said it. <laughs> but um, I mean, the point, the point of what I'm saying is, do people that work for Chase Bank or the people who work for Target have that affinity with their company? They might. Mm-hmm. You know, and feel free to tweet us if you're an av geek who works for another industry. Do you feel like that's your family? But having said that, Doug, you know, an airline is a company and our main goal is to make a profit. And sometimes they have to let some of us go. And the important thing is to not take that personally. You know, it's crushing for some of my coworkers Mm -hmm. and thousands of others that are going to lose their job. It's like, please don't take it personally because they're going to take the, you, you internalize it. Yeah. You know? So I was laid off in 2001. You bounced back and actually came back to the same airline. So it's, it's all good. Yeah. Good luck to Roberta. It's it's amazing that someone like her has loved what she's done for that long. And Did you read what she's planning on doing? So she's 78 mm-hmm. and she's planning to get a degree in uh, music history. Yeah. So at 78, she's not done learning and growing. No, it's, it's because she's been going her entire life and she doesn't just yeah. want to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Working for the airlines, it really opens your eyes to the rest of the world. Now, you don't work for the airlines yet, but I'm impressed at how much travel you've done. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you work for anyone. It's, it's been in my DNA. I mean, we had my dad on what 10 episodes or so ago and kind of got an idea mm-hmm. of where that started from. But that that's part of the reason why this whole COVID thing has been so difficult because yeah. both for, for work and for leisure travel has been my life for my entire life. And now that's just not happening. Yeah. And the it's one difference, so, it's, it's so tough to see. Yeah. The one difference when you do work for the airlines is you will say things like, Hey, we're not doing anything this weekend. Do you want to go to Paris for that exhibit? You know, yeah. you just, we honestly, before we had dogs, we would honestly, a three day weekend, we'd have a mission to go to London to see a certain exhibit that Robbie yeah. would see. So yeah, that's awesome. I, I can't yeah. wait. Hopefully better times are around the corner. All right, moving on to the next one, and this is the ticket data in Europe. New quarantine rules that were put into place and warnings over rising infection rates created uncertainty and deterred tourists from booking trips abroad. Demand in Europe had risen to 28% of 2019 levels in July, but then by August, it had slid back to 18% because of these new quarantine rules. Drew, what are your thoughts on this? These are the bumps in the road. We think it's we're, we're out of the woods, but we're not. Mm-hmm. So... Same thing with uh, the U.S., right? We were expecting to be at 70% capacity for the, at least for Delta, American, mm-hmm. and United by the fourth quarter. Yeah. We're probably going to be at 50%. If, if we're lucky. So, yeah. If we're lucky, yeah. All right, Doug, it looks like something's going on in Spain where the virus is increasing again, and that's causing these other countries to put barriers against other countries in Europe. Yeah, the U.K. put the rules in place because of those, those rising rates in Spain. And Ryanair their schedule is already decimated and they just announced even further cuts. And they're saying that the fourth quarter will be down at least 70% year over year. Mm -hmm. Europe. So Europe historically has been a very Jekyll and Hyde economy when it comes to the airline industry, because most of Northern Europe is so cold during the winter even Southern Europe isn't like going to Florida in the U.S. Yeah. Historically, airlines have made money in the summer and given a lot of that back in the winter. And so their profitability is based on the difference between the two, how well they do in summer versus how 
poorly they do in winter. But don't you think the fact that they're not traveling overseas that kind of maybe helps the European economy because they're staying home for the summer? Yeah, possibly. But but the problem is with all these rules in place and people not going anywhere, it's it's only helping the local economies. And so places yeah. like places like Spain, Italy, oh, that Greece, rely on tourists, that rely on the tourism, they're they're not getting that. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I think that this is going to be a crushing blow to the European airlines. We 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 talk mainly about the U.S. and we apologize to our listeners about that. But from a financial standpoint and the number of layoffs and scheduled cuts, the European airlines have been far worse than, than the U.S. airlines. Right. And Europe has become so cutthroat with the bargain prices with mm-hmm. EasyJet, Ryanair. Ryanair. Yeah. Wiz. Yeah. Wiz is growing substantially or had been growing substantially. Now, yeah. I'm going to throw this in real quickly. And the trains too. Yeah. The train, yeah, exactly. It, this wasn't in the rundown, but I read this morning that Virgin Atlantic said if they don't get their funds by the end of September, they'll be out of money. No way. Yeah, they're they're optimistic that they'll that they will get the the money, but they're they're sending a warning to the government in, in uh, kind of in the same way that America the American Airlines are sending to our government that hey if we don't get a yeah if we don't get a second round of funding mm-hmm. things aren't going to look pretty. Virgin is saying if, if we don't get this funding that was agreed to by the end of September, we will yeah. be out of we will be out of business. Yeah, they've been pretty. Um, uh, cut and dry in Britain about giving money to the airlines. I don't think British Airways got anything. Virgin didn't get anything. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting. All right. So moving on to this this last one that you, that you talked about, which is the Southwest turned down the loan from the U.S. Treasury. For background, this loan differs from the three point two billion dollar grant that Southwest already received. This would be a loan that they would have to pay back. Most of the grant money was just that. It was a grant. They didn't have to pay it back flow directly to Southwest employees. The difference with this is that Southwest has already agreed to no furloughs. They don't want to take the money that they don't have to. And mm-hmm. taking the loan would mean that the Treasury Department would get stocks, which the government then would own a portion of the company. Yeah. And Southwest already entered COVID with arguably one of the cleanest balance sheets in the industry. They were able to go through without taking this loan because they entered with a clean balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Domestic travel is returning faster than international and Southwest is such a domestically focused airline yep. that they're saying, we want to be able to keep our costs lower than our competitors on the back side of this and not take on any unnecessary debt. I think that this is going to be a long-term thing for the airline industry writ large in that some of these airlines that have built up massive amounts of debt on big airplane orders are going to look to the Southwest model in the future and say, Hey, we don't necessarily have to do that because we want to keep our debt low debt low. because there will be another crisis. What that crisis will be. No one really knows. There will be another one five years, 10 years, 15 years from now. Yeah. And I think that this will, the, the crisis as terrible as it is right now, just like after the financial crisis, airlines learned from their mistakes so they learned not. and they, they, they learned they were but, stronger, but they didn't expect something. They even didn't worse. expect something even worse. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the other thing with um, Southwest is they're expecting to be at 85 to 90% of their capacity in December. That's way better than the other airlines because there's mostly domestic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, back to this financial stuff. So this is not CNBC by the way, but so Doug and I kind of dabble looking at these business reports, but 
they have a credit rating of triple B. Mm-hmm. And apparently anything lower than that makes them not investment grade, which means mm-hmm. the 401ks, retirement plans won't buy them. So if they get this government loan, that might push them down to, it's not, I think it's, I don't think it's junk status, but it wouldn't be investment grade. Mm-hmm. Currently, Southwest is the only investment grade carrier in the U.S., mm-hmm. if you can believe that. Yeah. So they want to maintain that. So just like you said, if the government lends Southwest money, that is going to lower their stock price because that the government will get some shares. So that'll mm-hmm. dilute the value. Yeah. But um, no layoffs. They This is the first time in like 47 years they've lost money though. So they lost $1.2 billion, I believe. Yeah. But compared to the other airlines, they're doing good. So good on them. No layoffs. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I've got three stories that I want to talk about. Last week, we mentioned Emirates is increasing its flight schedule. And then this week, CNBC reported that the airline expects to serve 100% of its destinations by summer 2021. Next story is that Airways is reporting that United plans to double its San Fran to Shanghai services. And Fox Business is reporting that Delta is resuming 50 international flights in the coming months. Then my final story I want to talk about is that Business Insider is reporting that Airbus is moving forward with the development of the single aisle A321 XLR, despite the coronavirus slowdown. So Drew, you want to start out with that first one? Emirates declaration, it's dependent on whether governments will allow travel to resume but it is optimistic that it will return to all 143 destinations that it served in 2019 by next summer. This is amazing. So yeah. IATA said it won't, we won't be back until 2023. I think someone even said 2024. They're saying 2021. Personally, I think that's overly optimistic. I hope it's true and I hope that happens, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I think the difference here is that they're saying they'll serve 100% of the destinations. They haven't set a frequency. So if they fly from, say, Dubai to Rio once a week, technically yeah. they're, they're serving 100% of their destinations. If, if they're right. doing once weekly, twice weekly, et cetera, yeah. to the destination. Well, London, I'm sure they fly to London like three or four times a day. I think it's more than one. that. I think it's like five or six. Yeah, it might be a single A380. We, we talked about it last week that Emirates is the barometer for global travel. travel. And even if it's not at the same number of flights as it was, which it won't be for a while, at least mm-hmm. they are serving all those destinations. It's it's really interesting because Qantas had said that they aren't even going to start international flights until 2021 at the earliest. And they yeah, don't expect to be yeah, at 50% levels until 2022. And of course, this is also dependent on the quarantine restrictions in the different countries and if the countries even right. allow Emirates to serve. So it, so, it could be... Dubai has taken a risk though. So people are allowed to visit Dubai what mm-hmm. is that going to do? Is that going to cause an outbreak in Dubai? While in Australia, it sounds gloom and doom, but they're probably tamping the virus down yeah. so that they can come back stronger. So who knows? We'll see which which um, plan. Yeah, I, I almost wonder if a lot of countries are looking at this because we I know we talked about New Zealand a few weeks ago. And now, even though New Zealand closed their borders, they're still seeing increase in cases. And I, I almost wonder if countries are finally saying, Regardless of what we do, if we do these strict, stringent lockdowns, we're still not able to completely control the virus. Yeah, but I think New Zealand was, there were nine cases. It, so. was, more, it was more than that. It was in the hundreds from what I saw yeah, right. most recently, which still, I mean, that's, that's huge well, percentages less than, than what we have, than what other European countries have. 
I, I, I w- almost wonder if some of these countries are looking at the economic toll that it's taking on the country by not allowing that, that yeah. flow of traffic. But then, Doug, I think what we need to look at, and I'm sure they're already looking at this with the airlines, is looking look at these bubbles, right? So if Singapore has a 1% positivity rate, and so does New Zealand, maybe they can trust each other to mm-hmm. open that, that, that bubble. Um, that bubble, yeah. yeah. All right, Doug, let's go to your next one. This is uh, United and Delta increasing service. So while still underwhelming, United is increasing service to four times weekly in September, a 100% increase from the two times weekly and had relaunched in June. Once again, this is for Shanghai. Delta is rebuilding its Asian hub at Seattle. They're adding 50 flights, including four daily Asian flights, and they plan to launch five daily European flights from Minneapolis in March. Pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. Granted, United's going from two weekly to four weekly. Even though it's a 100% increase, it still is a, a mere number of what it was. That's where in, we are right now. We're yeah, excited about going to four weekly. <laughs> yeah. But Delta's, Delta's, on the other hand, the, the Minneapolis service, they're going to double daily Amsterdam. And I think it's Paris, London, and, and one other Frankfurt? one. Uh, might be Frankfurt for Minneapolis. Yeah. So they're, as of March 2021, Delta is planning on five daily European flights for Minneapolis and all these increases to Asia out of Seattle. It's just showing that 2021 airlines are already planning for a little bit of a rebound. And I know we talked about that American is going to operate 75% or they're planning to operate 75% of their international schedule next summer compared to summer 2019. Yeah. The only thing is for now, Doug, that's great that they're flying these flights, but they are basically repatriation flights. You and I can't go to Europe on any of these flights that Delta we is can. offering. We can if, 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 we, if we want to quarantine when we get there. <laughs> Yeah, no one, no one wants unless, to. Unless you're yeah. going there to see family. Yeah, but you know? but but Drew, you you have to think they're building their schedule out. This is beginning in March of 2021, so that's still seven months away, and they can cut if they mean. need to. Yeah, and and I I think the airlines are looking at this from the standpoint, the perspective of seven months from now. So seven months ago, we didn't we didn't even know that COVID would be as big of a deal as it is today. Seven months okay. from now, we might have a vaccine. I, I'm being highly optimistic here, but I'm, I'm saying mm-hmm. so much can change in seven months. And the airline still has to plan for that, even yeah. though there's this uncertainty. And that's why I would hate to be a network planner right now, not knowing what the future holds, but yet you still have to put a, a plan on the board because you're at that time that you have to schedule for the number of pilots, number of airplanes, the mm-hmm. air crews, et cetera. You have to schedule for that. It's almost like you have to be an expert in geopolitics and viruses and science, you know, just to see what the airline schedule would be. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. The other report that you had, Doug, was about Airbus uh, slowing the production of three of its aircraft families, but not slowing the A321XLR, which mm-hmm. in, as we, when we started this podcast, that was the big thing. That, that was, was our big thing. That, yeah. That, that was like the big news topic <laughs> of what, two or three episodes, I think. Yeah, now we should tell our listeners who haven't, I, I know most of you have listened to all of our episodes two or three times, <laughs> but <laughs> for those of you that have not, we talked about the A321 XLR, which is a long range A321. It can fly from North America to basically anywhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. It can fly routes of the 747, 767 flew. 
in United's case, United will be using those to replace the 757s that were flying from the East Coast to Europe. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? I think that this shows, we, we talked about this in the episode, or the couple episodes we talked about the 321 XLR. This shows the future of international travel in the short to medium range aircraft that you don't have to throw an A330 or a 777 on some of these short, thin routes. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, and I, I say unfortunately because I hate flying on single body long haul. I, I've done it. You've never actually stated that. I think that's I how have. I've, haven't I? I'm, no, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty you're sure positive I positive about everything. No, I, I don't feel claustrophobic. I, I don't worry that a single body is more dangerous than a wide body, but there's just something so refreshing about being in a wide body airplane. Yeah. Having the double aisles, getting to the bathroom, you can walk back to your seat a different way. You can get up, right. you can stretch around. There's just so much more space. I'm afraid that the airlines are going to use the 321 XLR. So let's let's use the regional jets as an example. When regional jets came out, everyone thought that they were going to replace turboprops on small city to hub operations. They did mm-hmm. initially, but now regional jets are flying hub to hub so right. that you can have a flight every 30 minutes. And you might fly from one airline's hub to the same airline's hub on a CRJ 200 or a CRJ 700 a flight that used to be a DC-10, that used to be a 757. Yeah. Airbus is touting the 321 XLR as being able to launch service like the 787 was supposed to from a secondary tertiary city in the U.S. to a tertiary city in Europe. Call so it, you're saying the call 787. It Pittsburgh to Prague. No, no, one, no, one no, would ever, no one would ever fly a 747 from Pittsburgh to Prague. No, the A three twenty one XLR. Someone could make that feasible based on the economy, the economics of it. But based that's on how, the economy, that's how Airbus is pitching this airplane. Yeah, I'm afraid that this is going to end up being you can fly JFK to London every twenty minutes because yes, they exactly. have that's a bunch of three twenty one XLRs, as opposed to every hour and a half on a triple seven, on a three thirty, on a three fifty. You name well, it. This is. Well, this is how, this is COVID talk, right? Because the 787 was built for long and thin routes. Mm-hmm. So with COVID, now we need something for long and thinner routes. Yeah. Because that's what it's going to be covering. To be honest, you and I are probably going to fly one and we'll be like, this was amazing. Like it wasn't anything that we expected and it was awesome. I don't know. I'm, I would prefer a wide body. On a lot of these, it's going to be replacing a 757. So it is going to be better than what we had before in terms of a modern aircraft, right? True. But you also know me, I'm going to go out of my way, even if it means backtracking three hours to get on that wide body because, <laughs> because I enjoy flying on wide bodies and because I don't mind flying out of my way for multiple stops and more flying time. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if the traveling public is going to uh, avoid these. I don't know. You know, because even they are used to flying a wide body to Europe. It's money. If they make yeah. it cheap enough, the wide body or the the traveling public won't care. Yeah, because going to Hawaii from California was always a wide body when I was a kid. Always, now, it was always. Now it's just a bunch of seven thirty sevens, eight three twenty ones. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a. Uh, it seems like we're bashing the A three twenty one, but it's only because we're not it, economically. It's going to be great for the airlines right now yeah. as we get start getting out of COVID, and that's what matters because. As a, as a spreadsheet guy, it's awesome. I, I love yeah. it. 
as an av geek, as a passenger, I say, give me a wide body. I, I, you, Drew, you and I both go out of our way to fly domestic wide bodies, right? Yes, I'm doing that. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, hopefully yeah. later this month. Exactly. Time. We go out of our way to fly domestic wide bodies. So why? Because it's a much better product. Yeah. So speaking of wide bodies, let's move on to a wide body discussion, Doug. As our longtime listeners know, we're big 747 fans here on the next trip. But with the queen on her way out, it's time to look to the future. We asked our listeners, what's your favorite new kid on the gate? Is it the Boeing 787? Is it the Boeing 777X, which is still doing flight tests and should be out sometime next year? The Airbus A350 or the A330neo, which is the new version of the A330. And Neo, it's N-E-O. It stands for new engine option. Doug, let's get to the results of the poll. Yeah, we had a lot of votes, over 150 votes. And the winner, the clear winner was the A350 with 57%. Second was the 787 with 20%. Surprisingly, the 777X, which, as you said, is still in flight testing. No one has flown it. Was 19%. And the A330neo came in at just a a mere 4%. Drew, before we talk about the comments, you want to real quickly go over just a couple of stats about these? Let's do the comments and then we'll come back. But I want to tell you something about this poll. Okay. So it was, I, don't, I, I was watching this. So it was neck and neck. It was neck and neck. And then all of a sudden. 787, Yeah. And then the A350 just broke away. But do you because, know what happened? Be, because you posted that picture of no. the BA A350. No. No. What happened was that our friend Speedbird Julie retweeted it. And as oh, soon as she hit that send button, yeah, all the Europeans, all the Europeans <laughs> were stacking the boat. So she was pumping that out to everyone who loved an A three fifty. So thanks, Julie. I, I think we, I think it's kind of skewed. I couldn't believe it because I, I looked yesterday and it was neck and neck. And then when I did the final results for the rundown today, I, I was blown away by how much <laughs> the A three fifty took off. Yeah. All right, well, do you want to do, do should we do the comments first? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do the comments. So S- Steve Tao, one of our loyal, loyal listeners and, and followers said he loves the windows and the feeling of being on a long 787 flight. I found this really interesting. He said he thought that he would love the A352 and then he flew on a 10 month old cafe A350 mm-hmm. that had peeling paint and a nasty rundown laugh. They're not holding up well, which is really interesting. Yeah. All right, Justin said uh, 350 for the simple fact that they're not cramming too many seats in a row like the 777 or the 787. Uh, Some backstory on that. So the 787 is a little narrower than the A350, but it still has nine seats across. So we'll talk about that a little bit more when we do the stats. The 777, the normal configuration is 10 seats across. The plane originally came out with nine seats, right? Yeah. Well, and then Justin didn't know that we were going to talk about the A321 XLR and he followed that up with the let's be real. We all know everybody's new favorite will be the A321 XLR. And then he put the the crying laughing emoji after that. <laughs> and I think people posted like people spitting out coffee. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I was the spreadsheet guy today, Doug. So I was going through this and these numbers, actually, let me, Take a step back. So we're talking about four planes, right? Mm-hmm. But I, we, let's be honest. The ones that people have actually flown are the A350 and 787. Yeah. People really haven't flown the 777X or the oh, A330. Yeah. yeah. So the big players are those two planes. So we, Doug and I thought that we'd take those two and really microanalyze those to see, I don't want to say which one is better. Let's D- see. Differences. Let's see or, the differences. Or similarities. Yeah. yeah Comparison. Yeah. So do you want to tell us like what the start off starts off with the numbers 
Yeah, so the A350 and the 787-9, relatively close in size and range within probably 500 nautical miles for the two. Same cruise speed. And then capacity, it's a little bit different. Drew, what, what's the capacity? Oh, yeah. So the capacity, the A350-900 is a little bit larger than the 787-9. So this was harder to find this information than I thought it would be, Doug. Even yeah. these stats, I had to go to multiple just to make sure it was correct. Yeah. So capacity-wise, I was trying to think what airline has both the 787-9 and the A350. Mm-hmm. I could not find one that has both. Because I wanted to look at the seat map with a same carrier. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking Qatar, but no, they have the 787-8. Okay. British Airways. Okay, let me look at a British Airways 787 and A350. They have the A350-1000. Yeah, they also, yeah. 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 So this is the closest I could find. And people can tweet me with an airline that has both. But Lufthansa. So I I compared Lufthansa and United because they have a similar, the way they sell their seats, right? And they are kind of similar in terms of they both had 48 business seats and 21 premium economy. But anyway, Lufthansa on their A350-900 has 293 seats. United has 257 on their 787-9. So that's 36 seats less with the 787 being a little bit smaller. As far as cabin width, Doug, the A350 is 18 feet 5 inches with 333 seating and economy. The 787 is only six inches narrower, but also 333 for the seating. Mm-hmm. Fuel consumption. So it's um, this I went to kilograms. I, I could convert it, but I mean, let's just look at this. So 5,800 kilograms per hour for the A350-900 and 5,400 for the 787-9. So 787-9 is more efficient, but it is lighter. So I thought, let's take these numbers and let's do it per passenger because the mm-hmm. A350 carries more. So what I came up with, um, the A350 consumes 0.051 kilogram per hour of fuel per passenger. Yeah. The 77-9 consumes 0.048 kilograms. So it's a hair more efficient than the A350. A350. Yeah. So we, we would call that chasm cost per available seat mile, essentially, right. is, is what you would break that down to. I have not flown on the A350, so I can't really compare. Both great planes. I can't believe that 20% of the people still or 19 selected the triple seven X. We don't even yeah. know if that, we don't even know if that airplane is going to be commercially viable. And we've, well, who, we've talked about this on past episodes. Greg. Gre- yeah. Greg Peterson said he's going with the triple seven X because he loves the triple seven, but he did say he kind of followed our, our thoughts that he doesn't think Boeing's going to sell a lot of them and there may yeah. not be very many out there. It's, it's just, only Lufthansa. Uh, Lufthansa and maybe one or two Asian carriers. Emirates, yeah, and Emirates is converting a lot of their orders to the 7-8. Yeah. So I'll tell you, Doug, I have flown multiple airlines with the A350 and with the 787-9, just United, I think. But I'll tell you, it, it it's based on how these airlines configure them mm-hmm. and what fixtures or what lighting they have because the A350-900 on Qatar is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice cabin. What they've done with the interior, it's out of this world. The 787-9 on United, I think it's really nice. I think there's, um, you walk in and it has that wow effect. Mm-hmm. I went on a Lufthansa A350-900. Underwhelming? Underwhelming. Yeah. I mean, the lighting was just like the doctor's hospital lights. There's no change yeah. of color or anything. And it, it, it was 
maybe five years old and it's yeah. kind of worn. Well, you, yeah. you make an excellent point. We've talked about this with some of the older 757s that airlines who completely rip out the interior and put a brand new one in, people yes. board it and they think that they're on a brand new airplane and it's a 30-year-old airframe. The airframe itself is 30 years old. The interior is brand new. So what, yeah. what airlines do with the interior is that that makes or breaks everything. Yeah, it really does. Uh, one recommendation, if there, any airline executives are listening, if you're going to change the whole cabin to a modern cabin, also change the lighting because mm-hmm. I'm noticing they'll take a 767, put in the fabulous new seats that are just like a 787 product, yeah. but still have the doctor's hospital lighting. <laughs> the doctor's <laughs> hospital lighting. <laughs> right? No colors. I can't be that much more to put in some blue LED lighting. Yeah. LED writing, lighting. Yeah. So. So what's your favorite? Or since we love everyone, do you not want to? Well, because I've only, I've only flown on the 7.8 and it was a oh, dash right. 10. You can't beat those windows. Those, those windows on the 7.8 are amazing how big they are. Yes. And I'll tell you, so Doug and I were in the middle. We flew from Newark to LA. Mm-hmm. We were in the middle section. But we both were able to take movies of the landing. We could see out the window outside. because it was so There's big. Something. Yeah, And people were sitting in those seats. But yeah. you didn't even see the people it was unobstructed yeah no it was awesome all right well before we go we received a follow-up question from one of our listeners about the tail swap discussion from last episode and the listener asked if you do a plane swap what happens to the flight crew and if they have to change to a totally different airplane type (laughs) we have to do this all the time so (laughs) it's easier now because we had a merger with those two airlines merging and there are differences between the two airlines as far as procedures for each aircraft yeah but that's now combined but this is a great question from your mom so most people won't know that if you're on a 757 going to london and the airline has to change planes to a 767 no problem same flight deck those pilots can fly the other plane even though a 757-200 and a 767-400 are way different yeah yeah now, if we're moving from a 67400 to a 777-200, kind of similar in size, whole different story. It's a different flight deck, and we would have to recrew those pilots. Those pilots would not be able to fly that 777. And then we talked about this with the 787. Hopefully, Boeing, when they make the successor to the 737, it'll have the same cockpit as a 787, mm-hmm. so you can move the pilots around. Yeah. Well, that's why pilots are put on reserve. So every airline has pilots who sit either at home close to the airport or at the airport. And then they get called and say, Hey, we just had a crew swap. You're going to be flying this flight now. And you you get called off reserve. Flight attendants, on the other hand, are a little bit more interchangeable. They're qualified on multiple different airplane types. The FAA in the US and other administrative bodies around the world with aviation, they limit pilots to only being type rated on a single airplane at a time, unless it has a joint type rating like the 7576. So that's yeah. why that's why pilots get get paid to sit at the airport. Maybe they go on a trip, maybe they don't. It, it really just depends on if there's a swap like this, if maybe a crew was supposed to come in from a different station and mm-hmm. they they were delayed, they'll, they'll pull people from reserve. So there, there's almost always someone who is waiting in standby to be able to hop on that flight and take that flight. Yep. And then if they're not at the airport, and if the airline didn't have someone on standby, 
they do something called senior man. They're probably outdated. Probably should be senior person or senior. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be offered to the most senior pilot, right? Because they'll get that overtime. And when they come in and they're not on reserve, they get a little boost. They get a little bonus for doing that. So it's actually a lot of money. Yeah. Every airline is different, but it, it's like winning the lottery. I'll yeah. tell you, it's like doing two, two or three trips, yeah. but we won't get into that. But Well, you, you mentioned that this is my mom who... Ask the question. I I didn't say that. Fringe right. Geek. Yeah, right. I at think the we top. got a fringe Geek. Oh, she absolutely is a fringe half geek. <laughs> yeah, that's great, and I'm glad she's listening. So that, I re- we really appreciate that. Yep. Thanks, mom. All right, everyone, to our listeners, this podcast is your show. So follow us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it. You can also email us at nextripodcast at gmail.com or leave us a review wherever you download your podcast. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast or officerwayfinder.com slash podcast. the only game in town in Dubuque, you're going to have to... Was that me? Yeah, it's all right. Let me just see what that is. I'm wondering what that could be. Like a Gmail, maybe? Ooh, I got to shut this down. Hold on, hold on. See, that this is MS Teams. Let me mute all these conversations. Mute, 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 mute. You can mute the conversations. Okay, so they're all muted. Okay. Oh, you know what it is? It's these, um, it's my email. I can't uninstall. Let's see, app settings. Let me do notifications. It's my uh, Microsoft email. Mm. Something's going on in Spain. I guess the the virus is rising again. <laughs>